Hey friend, and welcome back to the Alex Makes VR podcast. Today is a very special day because this episode gets released on the 8th of March, 2021, aka International Women's Day. Now, it's no surprise to any of you listening that I am, in fact, a woman who works in technology, but I never really talk about what that means to be a woman in technology in this day and age, what that means to be working in a new industry that is still pretty dominated by men. And I don't want to necessarily dwell too much on the negative experiences that I've had because I have had a a fair share over the last years uh, of being in this industry. I'm painfully aware um, when I am the only woman in the room and I'm being undermined by people on sets and I'm being patronised by people that think they uh, have more expertise than me or being overlooked by clients because there is an older man in the room. I don't want to talk about those experiences. What I want to talk about is why it's important that we all including the women listening to this, we all do our job to make sure that we are celebrating the women in this industry and how we can encourage and support new voices into this space. Because ultimately, having a diverse industry, not just with gender, but also, you know, bringing people from different cultural backgrounds and uh, people with disability, people that aren't, aren't the majority, basically, people that aren't heavily represented already in the technology industry. The reason it's important that we bring these diverse voices into our industry is because it helps the industry grow. Not only that, it makes us a stronger, more robust, more creative, more excellent industry when we have diverse voices. Why is that? Because when you bring more people in to create content, to create softwares and products, to run businesses, to be managers, to be involved at the highest levels, what you're doing is you're saying to a whole new generation below us that this industry welcomes everyone. And when you bring more people into the fold of this industry, they then create work that appeals to people that maybe look and have had the same experiences as them, which then inspires that generation to feel welcome and included in this space. And as we grow, as more people come into the industry and attract more and more audiences and reflect more and more different niches and tastes in content and shows uh, work from a particular lens, a particular point of view then we get more audiences. When we get more audiences, we have more hardware sales, we have more sales of content, we have more people in the ecosystem, which means there's more funding available. When there's more funding available, we all get more work. It lifts the industry up. There is no negative thing about diversity in an industry as young as virtual reality. And I would say it's actually going to be the thing that pushes us forward and kind of takes us away from some of the downfalls that have happened in traditional tech. 
We're seeing like a lot of problems um, in recent history with legacy industries, with the kind of gender inequality. And if we want to avoid those pitfalls, if we want to build the strong foundations so that we can just build from the ground up rather than having to like build the tower and then have to like knock it all down and try and redo it and rebuild it in years to come... What that takes is every single one of us doing our part to make sure that we are reaching outside of our current networks and our current bubbles. Because that's the problem with the internet, right? Is is as much as it's done incredible things, it's the most powerful invention that we have ever seen in humankind, I would argue, especially obviously in recent history. Um for all of the benefits of having the internet, we have all become very siloed and very niched down and very trapped in our own echo chambers. And this is how we kind of end up in a situation where people in a position of power tend to all look quite similar. And it's because when you have a similar background to someone, you are instantly connected with them in a way that you wouldn't necessarily instantly connect with someone or or you wouldn't think necessarily that you would. It's like, for example, when you go to a foreign country. So I remember distinctly like being in Australia and um, meeting someone in a bar that was definitely had like an English accent. And not only did they have an English accent, they said a certain word in the same way that my mum says it. So I just kind of like had this instinct that this person was from the same place that my mum grew up. So we started chatting and instantly we had this thing in common, right? We were both in this, you know, in this kind of this uh, new place in Australia and to hear a familiar voice and then be able to connect over something that we had in common instantly bonded us. And that is kind of an analogy for what happens generally when we aren't conscious of the choices we're making as people in a position of power. I feel like I'm being a little bit elusive and using a bit too many kind of a bit too much vague language. So let me give you a specific example. In 2019, I curated a VR cinema for uh, the Phoenix Leicester Cinema uh, here in Leicester. And it was funded by the BFI network, which was really exciting because we had money to spend on creators. We could pay them a modest license fee. We could pay for creators to come and do Q&As with audiences. And it was a really amazing opportunity for me as the curator to be able to bring in new audiences, to be able to select a lineup of VR that I thought would speak to a really wide variety of people that wouldn't necessarily have exposure to VR traditionally. And so I created this strand and lo and behold, after we finished the strand, I was having coffee with a friend. Do you remember when you used to have coffees with friends? (laughs) That was nice, wasn't it? Oh God. Um, And I remember her saying to me, oh, did you intentionally make it an almost all-female lineup?" And I kind of, I had to like pause for a second and think about all the films that I'd programmed and then realise that she was right, that I had, I'd curated probably about 80% um, women creators, which meant that I'd given out of the 100% of films shown, 80% of them I'd given the opportunity to showcase to women and I'd paid women for their work, which is obviously a phenomenal thing because it's so often the the kind of opposite narrative. Um, 
But that's not the takeaway from this story. The takeaway was that I was actually like flawed because I had done that completely subconsciously. I hadn't intentionally done that. I hadn't consciously thought, ah, I've got this money. I'm going to make sure that I, you know, really emphasise showcasing um, underrepresented talent. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to look for, um, you know, specifically women and and people of colour kind of creators. I'm like, I didn't intentionally do that. I just... I'd just kind of done it purely accidentally because I was just leaning into my personal biases for what kind of content I like. And I was just tapping into the networks and the events that I had been to, which, you know, had attracted people that look like me. And people's experiences, as in their VR experiences, clearly were attractive to me because when you have a similar life story, when you when you have something, I guess, in common, when you see the world through the same lens as someone, you have that kind of bond that you have with the kind of the stranger that you meet in a bar in a foreign country who speaks, the, who you know, who kind of like uh, speaks with the same accent as you do. And so you instantly bond, right? It's like, it's that unconscious um, familiarity that had led me to program almost an all-female lineup. And I remember saying to that friend, I laughed, I said, oh, I can totally see how the old boys club happened now. Because if that's, if that's like my experience as someone who momentarily had that position of power to have the, the, the purse strings, you know, to have control over, um, over the money and the funding for that project. And I was the one who got to, 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 you know, give these creators opportunities. And I just pulled from very much the things that appealed to me. And don't get me wrong, I definitely was giving it a thought to what I thought would appeal to the kind of independent cinema audience that um, would be attending those screenings. But I hadn't, like I say, I hadn't intentionally done anything other than something that just felt really natural and right to me. Now, what that tells me is that if the tables were switched, like if, if, if I was a man and I'd done that, that is why you end up with any tech, any kind of tech event, you'll, you'll see the panel line up and it will be usually at least 70, 80% men on panels, like given opportunities to kind of talk in, in a position of like thought leadership. You might see, um, overwhelmingly male kind of uh, CEOs or managers Um, you will see I think there's like a shocking statistic about how few uh, female-led companies get investment Um, and again majoritively it is is male uh, companies that receive investment so there's all these kind of different layers but what I'm saying why I told that story is not to kind of point fingers and be like, you know, we need to do better because we do, we all need to do better, 100%. But what I'm saying is it's not good enough to say, yes, I support women creators. I support diversity in the industry. We have to go that extra step and actually put it to the forefront of our mind. We need to reach outside of our echo chambers. We need to reach outside of our current networks. And yeah, sometimes that means not being lazy and not just relying on, you know, um, the kind of people that you already trust. And I know that's so hard because 
I've absolutely been guilty of that when I'm kind of pulling together a last minute production team. It's so much easier to just go with the people that I've always used and the people that I know will get the job done and I've worked with them before and I have rapport with and, you know, I've already done that kind of stuff. But the problem is if you don't give new talent, if you don't reach outside of your network and bring new people in, then how do those people get the opportunity to get the experience to then be trusted, right? How do you know if you don't give them the chance? And it's not the case that we don't have enough people to pull from. It's just that we don't have, um, what's the right way to put this? We are just kind of, we're very siloed in um, our own bubbles that we don't, we kind of forget to reach outside of those bubbles to connect with the kind of artists, creatives, devs, um, you know, all the different kind of creators that there are worldwide that might not have the same resources or networks as you. And so because we're not tapping into those, they don't get the same showcase opportunities. They don't get the opportunities to showcase at the kind of events that loads of decision makers goes to, which means that the decision makers then end up pulling from the same pool of talent. I mean, you see this time and time again. I I know that I feel like in recent episodes, I've been bashing really hard on like the festival circuit. I don't mean to, because I totally, totally understand that when time and resources are limited, you just kind of have to do what is within your power. But you see the same kind of names showcasing at big events and big festivals not always like definitely there's I've you know I've seen the efforts that go into curating something like like for example Maria at Rain Dance Film Festival like I know that she spends literally hours going through every single submission um to kind of to make her selection fair and I'm and I know that there'll be other curators that absolutely do that but the problem is when you get a specific kind of showcase opportunity like a rain dance like a sun dance like a tribeca or whatever that then unlocks all this other potential opportunity for you and you know the kind of grassroots creators that might not have even had the opportunity to make their piece yet because they've never had anything funded they've never been kind of they've never had any experience on a set because they've never been given that opportunity that person might have an amazing idea and an amazing skill set and and just be waiting to be given a chance but the truth is that they they aren't in the right networks they aren't in the right circles they don't have the resources to even you know, get a step on that ladder. And the only way they can is for the likes of you and I, who are in the industry, who are in positions where we can um, help, we can encourage and support, we can offer people opportunities. We can give those people their first chances. We can give people that exposure. We can upskill people so that they then can go on to create their pieces. They are more likely to be funded. They are more likely to continue creating. Then they offer people opportunities. And do you see what I mean? It's, it becomes this kind of cyclical, this beautiful cyclical um, process that ends up building our industry up. It's like a compounding effect. So, I mean, that was a real ramble, wasn't it? <laughs> 
I'm so passionate about this. It's so strange that I haven't done an episode like this before. It's, and I kind of feel almost guilty that it's taken me um, until International Women's Day to talk about this extensively uh, because it is something I'm so, so passionate about. And it is something that I want to turn my attention to more and more in the future because the more I connect with um, not just, again, not just uh, female um, creators, but anyone from like a, a minority um, group that isn't kind of represented currently in the industry, every time I connect with those people, they are always so brimming with passion and they are so, you know, they are just like raring to go. They are going to give it their all because they're so grateful because they haven't been given the opportunity. And the, and the truth is that that they deserve it. They definitely deserve it. So my mission, like when I think about what I want to do going forward, when I think about what, and I was speaking to this actually with a, with a friend the other night on the phone who is um, coincidentally another woman in VR and we were talking about that legacy and like that mission going forward of like making sure that we make space for new creators and different voices in the world of VR so I want to hold I want you guys to hold me accountable to that I want to make space and do my part to help encourage and support the next generation of women to come into this industry and fill that knowledge and skills gap by offering my time because I'm now in a position where I have that luxury and that opportunity to do that and if you're listening and you want to do your part like I say, I think the number one thing you can do is maybe once a week, go outside. Well, I mean, obviously more if possible, but at least once a week, go outside of your comfort zone. Go and, go and check out some Facebook groups, some Reddit threads, some Twitter um, kind of accounts that or YouTube um, videos or anything like that where that you wouldn't necessarily do before. Like, for example, when I am, um, I'm like massively geeking out at the moment, learning about... Um, finances. The financial world fascinates me because ultimately money makes the world go round. But it's not until recent history that I've been paying attention to uh, Wall Street and understanding how the economy works and understanding, you know, what it means when Rishi kind of out... Um, outlays the budget for the next year and what the knock-on effect of that is and where money... Like, oh my God. Okay. Right. I'm not going to get too overexcited about talking about finances because I can already hear you like, oh God, <laughs> I might turn this off and put a nice album on instead. But when I found out what quantitative easing meant, which for those of you listening that don't know what that means, it basically means when the government or the Bank of England or the Bank of whatever country you're in prints money. Literally, you know how they say when you grow up, there is no money tree. That's an absolute lie. There is a money tree. It's got a fancy word, quantitative easing. It basically means where they make more money. <laughs> and the way that they technically make more money is by buying bonds and all this boring stuff that I'm not going to go into. But essentially, it is literally growing money on trees. And then there's, you know, the way that they counteract that is inflation. It's like this whole shit show. But basically, it's not until you start digging under the surface that you realise... Ah, when you understand these concepts, when you kind of become knowledgeable in those concepts, all of a sudden, like, it has this knock-on effect. It makes you a better business person. It makes you make more, um, you know, responsible uh 
investing decisions or it makes you like a stronger leader. It allows you to have this kind of view of the world that um, most people will spend their whole lives not having the slightest clue about any of this stuff because they were never given the opportunity in the first place. Now, why have I gone on that ramble? Let me rewind. When I started getting into the finance stuff, this is where I was actually going with that story. Um, What I've noticed is like most of the resources uh, that I have been paying attention to for the last couple of months have all been white men. Now that's not a problem. I love white men. I've got, you know, I've got two brothers. I've got a, a strong father figure. Like I'm not, I'm not saying this to discriminate against white men, but what I noticed is that all of the YouTubers that are big in the space and all of the bloggers that are big in the space of personal finance are white men. That's not a coincidence, right? And so I was like, crap, this is not good. I am not practicing what I'm preaching here. So I went out of my way to kind of like ask some people whether they had any other resources. Specifically, I wanted to be to find some maybe like finance influencers that were that were women. So I started going down this rabbit hole of like finding, um, you know, uh, like women uh, that venture capitalists and looking up some kind of like YouTube channels of some um, some women that give similar kind of finance guidance and, and same, it's the same stuff. It's like they've got the same knowledge set as these kind of uh, millennial money guys that have got millions of subscribers. But all of a sudden I realised that, well, because I'm paying attention to those bigger influencers, that then tells my algorithm that that's the kind of content I'm watching. That kind of content, that means that you get the same kind of content recommended. And all of a sudden, again, you end up in that echo chamber. But after just a couple of days of consuming content from, um, I'm trying to think what the channel was called now. It's terrible that I don't, can't remember the name of it. To be fair, I can't remember the name of anything that I watch, really. I jump around constantly. But um, this fantastic black woman was giving this like amazing speech about um, investment and basically seed funding and stuff like that. And now because I've watched her video, the recommended videos, funnily enough, have now been more women, more people of colour, more kind of like queer, like finance kind of like people, all providing the same kind of information in an entertaining way as these dudes with millions of followers. And they've got maybe like 10,000 subscribers, if that. But now my algorithm's kind of trained to like show me those things. And now I can show my support. And if those channels grow, then do you see what I mean? comes this like snowball effect and it's that was a conscious choice that was a conscious decision because I had to like stop and recognize what was happening and what echo chamber I was getting myself into and so you do have to reach outside of that so I challenge you maybe once a week maybe twice a week look at the sources that you're consuming and think, let me just go and see what else is out there. Let me just go and consume this information from someone else. Let me just see what else is out there. Um, Just because then you are opening your pool, you are supporting um, diversity and uh, you're supporting other creators and you are kind of, again, encouraging that cyclical process of the more you support them, the more then they can like climb to a position of power, which means that they can then empower more people that look very different from you and I. Um, and, you know, everyone 
absolutely uh, has their role to play in this is what I'm saying and that's one easy way that you can start and so on days like today on International Women's Day that's why it's really important especially if you are a man to take that time to not think like oh god another post about you know specifically about being a woman but take today to maybe like go and see out go go and look at like some of if you're a music fan if you're a film fan if you're um a youtube fan like basically take this opportunity to go and see if there's someone in the niche that you like um that isn't someone that you currently follow that isn't someone's work because that's the thing. It's not like it's not like um, the point of this is to go and just find a creator and you don't really like them, but you're just doing you're just supporting them because they're a woman or because they're a person of color or because they're queer. Like that's not what this is about. This is about the fact that there will for every one person that you follow, there will be five thousand other people that are doing exactly the same thing that you would probably equally enjoy that just don't happen to look like you, and so that. That's really important because, again, the more you kind of reach outside of your own echo chamber, the better you are as a person. I genuinely believe that. I believe that when I can even feel it, like being trapped at home for over a year and not being like normally my year will be packed full of going to different countries, meeting new people from different backgrounds, connecting with people at events, getting to speak to kind of like, um, you know, different high schools and getting to speak at different events and getting to speak to different companies. I'm constantly on the go. I'm constantly meeting new people my brain feels better for it I have a much more expanded horizon I have a much more open-mindedness toward the world I feel like a better person when I'm expanding but for the last year I've just been stuck in a bubble and it's taking me actually having to intentionally reach outside that bubble listen to podcasts I don't normally watch uh, documentaries I don't normally watch you know doing all these things that are kind of like the artificial digital version of expanding my horizons and even that makes you feel a lot better it gets you out of your creative rut it exposes you to new ways of thinking exposes you to new ideas exposes you to new voices and you might end up finding like some creators that you never would have stumbled on uh, if you hadn't taken me up on that challenge but go on to really influence your life so my goodness 25 minutes (laughs) I'm going to leave it at that I have absolutely loved being part of the VR industry and I owe it everything for where I am in life. But literally, I can trace back my success to a woman every step of the way in my career, sharing her knowledge with me and exposing me to a different community and vouching for me and entrusting me. Um, and so I want to do that for, for well, the current, but also the next generation of women. And I really, really hope that you do too, because whether that be the women in your life, just in general, or whether that be, like I say, online, the influencers you follow, or whether that be if you're in a position of power, reaching outside of your current network to offer someone new that doesn't look like you, um, or that is from a kind of more minority background, um, offering them the opportunity, because then you get to be that kind of person in their life. Like, I cannot tell you how rewarding it is when someone says to me, oh my God, I listened to the podcast, and 
it changed my life. I've like quit my job and now I've got like this full-time like freelance career as a 360 photographer. And that wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't come across your information or if, if you hadn't been shared on this or if I hadn't seen you talk at this thing. So when you're in a position of power, like you do have that opportunity to reach new people and to have this huge impact on people's careers. Um, and so yeah, I would just highly encourage you, highly, highly, highly encourage you, go out today on International Women's Day, go and find some amazing uh, female creators, um, reach outside your echo chamber, because together we need to build a powerful, diverse, amazing industry that will go on to represent all people from all corners of the world if we want this, this medium to be successful. Whew, bloody hell. 28 minutes, guys. <laughs> I guess I should finish by saying, if you like this episode, it would mean the world to me if you shared it on social media. If you just take a screenshot of the podcast and share it and tag me, Alex Makes VR, on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of the socials. And as usual, if you want to sign up for the newsletter, I send out emails every Monday. You can sign up for that on uh, alexmakesvr.com. Until then, happy International Women's Day, everyone, and I'll speak to you next week. Thank you.